Welcome to Better Food Stories, a show that celebrates real food and the people and companies who make it. I'm Audrea Greenhoff, and in this interview series, I'm sitting down with the entrepreneurs behind some of today's newest and most innovative food brands out there to find out what it really takes to make it in this highly competitive space. How do you preserve the legacy of a 100-year-old farm in an era of Uber Eats, Instacart, and Amazon Fresh? The short answer, you get creative. Claire Smith grew up on her family farm in what she refers to as, quote, middle of nowhere, Michigan, end quote. Not only is the farm a huge part of Claire's identity, but it also served as the inspiration for her business, Tanera Grains. In my conversation with Claire, you'll learn all about the gluten-free super grain that is Teff, how she is single-handedly disrupting the granola industry, all while helping preserve her family farm's 100-plus year legacy, how growing up on a farm shaped Claire's views on food and nutrition, and how Tanera Grains is supporting other local Michigan-based businesses. Claire was such a pleasure to chat with. She has such an interesting background, and she's just so nice. I really appreciated her candidness and vulnerability when it came to sharing her experience as a new entrepreneur. I really enjoyed this conversation, and think you guys will get a lot out of it. As always, you could check out show notes and photos to accompany this interview by following me on Medium at Audrea Greenhoff or on my website, audriagreenhoff.com. And remember, if you are enjoying these interviews of the Better Food Stories podcast, please, please, please leave me a review on iTunes to let me know. Now, on to my conversation with Claire Smith of Tanera Grains. Well, thank you again for joining me on Better Food Stories. I am super excited to have you on here. And why don't we start by you introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about what your company, Tanera Grains, is all about. So I am Claire, and I am the founder and, like, accidental entrepreneur, I guess. Um, So I bake granola made with teff, so teff granola, but I call it teffola, and teff is grown on our family farm, Um, and I'm sure we will get into it, but uh, for the reason that we grew the teff, but um, we started growing teff in 2015, and last year, it's actually almost my one-year anniversary with teffola, um, but I started baking it into granola and got teffola. I don't know if that totally answers your question, but yeah, so that's kind of what I do. So since last year, you've been in business a year. Tell me a little bit about, first, I guess for anybody who isn't familiar, tell me a little bit about Teff and how um, that differs in your product from regular granola. Tell me about that and then tell me about how the idea for this company started. So Teff is from Ethiopia and well it's kind of originally from Ethiopia and they traditionally mill it into flour and then bake it 
into, it kind of looks like a crepe or a flatbread or just like a very thin pancake and they call it injera. And so they ferment it and then bake it. And that's kind of how they use like how, what they use, like pick up their food. So uh, it's kind of like, you know, like a tear and scoop kind of thing. Um, but we started growing Tev because a family friend suggested it to us. Um, corn prices had been falling and soybean prices were falling. So we started growing Tef and yeah, it actually grew really well in Michigan. Um, so that's where the farm is in Southern Michigan and it's really high in protein, calcium, fiber, iron. Um, and it's kind of the new quinoa a little bit. It's kind of a superfood, which is definitely a marketing term, but, um, it's really, really good for you. So I put it in the granola and it's a little bit different than other granolas because number one, it has teff grain in it. And I'm the only one that I know of that's actually using the whole grain, um, like teff as a whole grain. Most other people, like everyone else that I know of, is using teff as a flour. And because teff is gluten-free, they put it with like other gluten-free flours and they can make baking mixes out of it. Um, but I like using the whole grain because I really like granola. I like was raised on homemade granola. So I like seeing all the different ingredients in granola. So it's not just kind of giant clumps of, you know, unknown ingredients. Mm-hmm. Um, so my granola is, or tefola is 12 whole food plant-based ingredients. Um, and they're just really nutrient dense. So there's buckwheat groats in there, teff, coconut oil. The only sweetener we use is maple syrup. So it's just packed full of goodness and it's just really, really good on yogurt. I love it. Sounds delicious, uh, first of all. And my next question, I'm really curious to know a little bit more about you and you, you grew up on a farm in Michigan. Tell me about that experience and how that kind of influenced your idea and views around food and nutrition? Um, so this is actually kind of funny because I, um, yeah, so I've grown up on the farm. We moved there when I was like one or something. Um, so this farm has been in my family, like the Smith family for seven generations. Our ancestor, Azariel Smith, came from, um, let's see, Connecticut to Southern Michigan in 1837. So we've been farming the same land for a very long time. So my dad was always really into the farm, even though that, like, he's a lawyer and a farmer, but he didn't start farming until later. But my grandfather was... um, a farmer and also a congressman, but that's besides the point. Um, So growing up on the farm has always been like a very family thing. Like it's just like, I guess like part of who we are. Um, And we do have a decent amount of land. Um, So we have 2,300 acres now. Um, But very interestingly enough, I hated the farm growing up. Like (laughs) I, I really hated it. Um, I wanted to move to the city. I wanted to walk down the street to get takeout because, like, we didn't have takeout out in the country. We were half an hour away from anything, like half an hour away from school, from all of my friends, from the grocery store. Like, everything took, in my opinion, you know, my 12-year-old opinion, like, Mm -hmm. way too long to get to. Um, 
so yeah, I like didn't have a ton of, I guess like food culture experience, if that makes any sense. Like I never had Indian food or, you know, like real Chinese food or like real Italian, um, not until I like got to college. So I don't know. It was kind of like, I learned how to, like my mom taught me how to like make bread when I was really little. And it's like that kind of homemade, I guess, homemade food was really like, I don't know. That's, that's just what I learned. So I was always like, because we couldn't run to the grocery store and pick it up, like we would just make it at home. So like, applesauce canned peaches like all that stuff it. like we made it but like we're not a super backwoods kind of farmers like <laughs> I don't know so I just like learned how to like cook from a pretty young age I love that and um, I think it's it's funny that we always kind of want different experiences from you know when we're kids I grew up in South Florida in Miami and not at all familiar with farming or farm animals or anything like that. We're coastal, we're close to the water, so it's it's totally different, but I love it. Like to see actual eggs from an actual farm like blew my mind the first time I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild cuz like when I was going to school, like middle school and elementary school, like everyone not obviously not everyone was on a farm but enough kids were from you know the country like living in the middle of cornfield as yeah. we say um where like it wasn't a big deal so <laughs> until I got to college I felt like my upbringing was the most normal boring thing in the whole wide world and my dad tried to tell me <laughs> when I was younger like Claire, you think this is normal because this is what you grew up with, but it's not like, it's really not normal. And I'm like, whatever, dad, like totally. <laughs> feeding chickens is so boring. Everyone does that. Oh my gosh. No way. I think that's so cool. So uh, you, you said your dad was a farmer and a lawyer, which I think is really interesting. What um, kind of things did you grow on your farm growing up? And, you know, was it a business always as as you remember growing up for, for your dad and your family? Um, so traditionally we've grown corn, wheat, and soybeans um, with some fields being alfalfa or let me see what else would there be. Yeah, pretty much pretty much those four main crops. Um, so it's always, always been those always. Um, so my grandfather was in politics, but then would also do farming. And then my dad does law and farming. So I guess for the past two generations, it's been kind of a supporting, like, I don't want to say a side hustle cause it's not quite a side hustle, but it's, um, I don't, I don't know how you would say it, just something that... Like a supplemental type of... Yeah, it's like continuing the legacy. And that's that's actually my dad's vision for the farm is to preserve that legacy for this generation and future generations. So his mission and his big why is preserving this farm and kind of this way of life and being connected to the land and really caring for it. Um, so he wants to keep that for this generation and the next and, you know, future generations, especially as our world kind of speeds up and more people are moving into the cities. 
um, he loves and adores the farm and just being really connected to the land. So I guess never our main source of income. It's really, really challenging to support a large family on um, kind of a farm income. Um, And I have six siblings, so there's wow. there's a lot of us. So where are you um, in the in the lineup of siblings? Are you older, younger, in the middle? I am number three. Okay. And so I have two sisters and four brothers. So cool. there's there's a lot of us. Yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun growing up. I have one sibling and always wanted more. So <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted a twin, and I could not understand why my mom couldn't give me a twin. (laughs) I was very naive. (laughs) So I love the mission, you know, behind, behind the farm and preserving it. I think especially now where we are in the food kind of landscape, so many more people are, you know, connecting back to simple ingredients and cooking at home and like you mentioned that that was something that was sort of natural to you um so I think that there is definitely a place for for a brand like this which is why I was really excited to talk to you um so I want to know kind of about the roots of your company and how it all began you know you talked about your dad wanting to preserve the farm and I guess you guys were selling um you know growing wheat and and some other crops and then you started with the TEF. And um, in our email exchange, you mentioned that you started cooking with it a lot. And you started, I guess, with Energy Bites. And then that shifted to granola. Tell me about how that kind of played out. So I had started, we actually, like our original plan was to mill the TEF into flour and then sell it to Ethiopians. So there are pockets of, you know, large Ethiopian populations around the country, mm-hmm. Minneapolis, Dallas, um, Washington, D.C. Um, I think San Francisco is another one. So we had originally thought, okay, like we'll mill this into flour and then sell it to these restaurants that are making injera. And so we found a miller who knows how, because there are very few people who know how to mill teff. Um, so we found a miller and then we ended up packaging it into um, smaller packages, so two pounds and five pounds. And I kind of took on the task of selling these this flour to um, so Ethiopians and kind of the foodies of the world. Um, mm-hmm. So I sold it on Amazon, and we were kind of targeting the people who would like to experiment with teff or experiment with like different ingredients, and you know were intrigued by um, a new ingredient like that, and who were kind of gluten conscious because teff flour is of course gluten free. Um, so. That's how we really started, and I know I mentioned this, but um, (laughs) it didn't really work. It was really, really hard to gain traction. Um, It just wasn't selling as well as we thought it would, and so I started playing around with the whole grain because I wanted to make a product that consumers could eat immediately. Like Part of the big hurdle was educating people on what TEF is. And so, you know, and I, like, I, I bake, I do bake a lot, but I'm not 
gluten intolerant or anything. So my skills with baking with gluten-free flours were very limited. And to be perfectly honest, it didn't super like spark a fire in me to like recipe test until, you know, I got it right. Like that wasn't, that wasn't me. It wasn't clicking. And so I wanted to make um, some sort of packaged treat that people could immediately eat. Like they didn't have to prep it. They didn't have to find a recipe for it. They didn't have to do anything. They could just, you know, eat it immediately. And so um, I thought about energy bites because I'd been making them for myself and I love dates and almonds and cacao powder. So I started kind of playing around with using the whole grain um, and then like cooking it and putting it into these energy bites. And they were good. Like I liked them, but I wasn't getting like amazing feedback. <laughs> like I tested so many and, you know, I would give it to friends. I gave it to my aunt and like, who's very into food. Anyways, like I kept trying these, like the response I kept getting was like, Oh yeah. Like they're okay. <laughs> like That is not the response you want. Um, so one day I was just kind of making granola and the way I make granola is like take everything in the cupboard, put it into a bowl and then hope for the best. Um, and in this instance, I added Tef because I was like, you know what? Like may as well just try it. And I think I saw someone on Instagram use quinoa maybe in a granola recipe, maybe, I don't know. Anyway, so I put Tef in and it like, it was pretty good. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And so I like tweaked it a little bit, you know, like changed my proportions, um, backed off the sweetener per usual because I hate sweet granola. Um, and so I kind of kept tweaking it, tweaking it again. Um, and then I took, once I took, like had a batch that I thought was pretty good, I took it over to my sister's house and she's like pretty picky about her granola. (laughs) So I took, I think it was a pound of it over to my sister's and she and her husband ate that pound in like two days, which is a lot of granola. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I was like, okay, I'm out, I'm onto something here. Like this is pretty good. And like, she could not stop talking about it. Um, so that's when I knew I was like, okay, forget the energy balls or the energy bites or whatever. Like (laughs) granola is definitely where I'm going. I love it. So you had an initial idea that you tested, didn't exactly work out the way that you hoped or imagined and you pivoted and tried something else, which is, I love that. I love that. So, yeah, it was a very hard pivot. Like I haven't even, I haven't even made energy bites since that last time. Oh so. no! <laughs> no, but you you saw what you know that something wasn't working, and you tried something else, which I think is great. As far as how you're selling now, how are you mostly selling, and how has that changed since you first started, or has it changed at all since you first started the company? So I, see, I got my license in the commercial kitchen end of November. So I was kind of entering into holiday markets. So in November and December, 
I was just in kind of like craft market shows, like artisan market kind of shows, and then selling directly to family. So I would like <laughs> ship them granola or drop it off because it's the holidays and, you know, you're driving all over the place and exchanging bags of granola. So it was very like direct to the consumer. Um, and yeah, a lot of it was family. Um, but especially at the craft shows, I got just so much so much good response, like so much good feedback. And then in January, I went into a local grocery store around here. It's called Westbourne. Um, and it's kind of an urban grocery store, a bit more upscale. Um, and they had a pretty good relationship with um, the building where I cooked the granola. And so I went in there I was so young. I was 25. Yeah, 25, like so young. And <laughs> I'm laughing because like I was a terrified chicken, like a terrified. I must have had scared all over my face. Anyway, I went in and I had a sell sheet, had my business card, had a sample of granola. And I don't know how it happened, but I walked out with an order. So they wanted a case of granola just to try it out and see how it worked. So that was amazing. Um, so January was my first store. And if you fast forward to now, um, I have, I'm in 14 stores and I'm also, um, I launched my online store in September and that's been going really, really well. And let's see, over the summer I was in farmer's markets and now with the holidays coming up again, I'm in more craft shows uh, or holiday markets or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I guess it has changed as in I'm adding more sales channels, but, um, you know, I'm still doing the, I guess, grassroots way just to kind of build a brand awareness, especially you know, in my local community. And just because if more people know me, I don't know, the more connection they have with me and the brand, and it is supporting very local. Um, I, all of my ingredients are from Michigan suppliers. My packaging is from, you know, 20 minutes away. So I try to stay as local as possible. So yeah, I guess I think that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. And that's actually a really great uh, segue into my next question. Um, you know, one of the biggest things that is important for for companies in the food space as I talk to more entrepreneurs with food brands is that the brand story and like those core values are so important because I'm sure as you know like the food world is is so saturated and there's so many companies and so many um you know different categories of food so that brand story is so important and um, you see the, the brands that are successful are the ones who have really strong brand stories. So I love the story behind your brand. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what would you say is your core brand message? And how are you how is that affecting, um, you know, your website and your social media and how you're communicating um, everything about your brand? So my I guess my core brand message is more about helping other people and kind of, I know that's very vague, so I will explain. Um, so I would not be here and like where I am in life and Tefola would not exist and 
what this brand is doing would not exist without the people around me. So I have incredible role models and my parents have three businesses between the two of them. Um, I have incredibly supportive friends and just amazing mentors. Anyway, so all of that to say like, I wouldn't be here without the love and support from the people around me. And so I started thinking this was back in December when I wanted to like sit down and actually write, you know, my mission statement. So what doesn't exist because people don't get the love and support they need. And so as I started thinking about that, um, I was kind of thinking down like who doesn't get love and support. Um, and that's people who don't really have families or people who, kind of need a second chance or someone to believe in them. And so um, I was thinking about hiring returning citizens or um, people who just kind of need a second chance. That's, I guess, the mission statement is helping people who kind of need a second chance. Um, It's not the ultimate vision, but what it looks like right now is hiring high school students to help me. So I've got three high schoolers working with me, and it has been amazing. Um, I'm learning so much. They are learning so much. So I guess the brand message is really about helping other people, but in a very concrete way. Um, I think spreading kindness is really important, but for me, that doesn't mean, you know, buying everyone in the Starbucks line a latte that's like just that's nice but like it's not it's not working for me so like this is something like the brand can give back in a meaningful way that you know it's kind of a win-win for everyone um yeah it's just really important that I start this like this mission and walking towards this mission from the beginning um, with that intention. So I start from the beginning with the intention of helping other people along the way and not just, you know, when I quote, get there, um, and then turn back and say, okay, like now I can help you. Um, I don't think that's totally right. I think at every stage you can help someone else. And so, even though I'm, you know, pretty small right now and, you know, it's just me working full time on this. Um, I think there's definitely room to help other people who might not, you know, have a chance. So absolutely. I love that. I love that you're, um, you know, mentoring these high school students and I'm sure learning a lot from them too. What do you think has been the most, um, surprising thing about starting this business? Oh gosh, good question. Um, definitely what I was not expecting was how much confidence it's given me. I don't know how, I don't know what I was really expecting from it, but I've put so much time and effort into this business and I joke that like I'm in a relationship with my business and we're very committed and it's just going to be a lifelong thing. Um, but it's, I guess that's like kind of true because again, any relationship you do get something in return. And I guess I wasn't expecting how much confidence and yeah, like I am just way more sure of myself now and I can feel that I, I carry myself a little bit differently. And I think it's because 
I like found where I'm supposed to be um, before this, like in university and in the really hard years after university, it was just like kind of hard to know where I fit in. And with this, like, (laughs) I am so sure of myself, like so sure. And because of that, I don't know, like I, I'm not scared to talk about what I do anymore. Um, so yeah, I'm like really surprised at how much it's given back to me. I love it. <laughs> it it's amazing. It's great. You you mentioned a um in our in our email exchange a moment that you kind of started to see things shift and you sort of had that confidence that you talked about that you knew this was going to work out and you were, you'd be successful. Tell me about that. Um, so I think what you're referring to is my three-week vacation yes. in Canada. So um, I am half Canadian, and my family has um, started a nonprofit on this remote island with no electricity or running water. Anyway, different story. <laughs> That's Camp Schreiber, by the way. Um, so I volunteer there, and I am the head cook. So I cook on a wood stove. It's amazing. Um, I love it. And so they bring high school boys and middle school boys up to the island um, to kind of experience, um, I guess, Canada and nature. Anyway, different side stories. So while I'm up there, I'm doing all sorts of volunteering and being around these young kids. And it's they are so inspiring up there. And I adore it. Um, so I was up there chatting with my uncle about the business and where things were. And he looked at me and was like, and he loves granola. He loves tapola. Um, He and his family actually go through 20 bags per month, which is a lot of granola. (laughs) So he's totally on board with it. And he looks at me and he goes, so what's holding you back? Like, what are you waiting for? Wow. Way to get deep, right? (laughs) Oh, it, it like got so deep. It was crazy. And so like before that, I was kind of like plateauing at three stores and you know I was in my day job like working you know five days a week and just like kind of doing it on the side and so when he kind of like startles me and like with this question of like what are you waiting for I like didn't have an answer and I like tried to make up some excuse like oh like it's hard with time management which is (laughs) dumb and so like after that, like I couldn't stop thinking about it. And so I came back from that volunteering or vacation or whatever. And it just like, it was done. Like I, it's hard to explain, but it was just so, I was so sure like that this was going to work that like, I couldn't think of anything else. And so within like a week or two of coming back, I launched my online store. I put in my three weeks notice at my job and signed on a business partner. And (laughs) I had like less than a thousand dollars in my bank account. And like, that was it. It was like, I I can't describe it. Like I was so sure it was going to work. Like I couldn't even like, listen to anyone say that it wouldn't work like I just couldn't even fathom a reality where it wouldn't work um so maybe that's faith maybe that's just me being crazy I don't know but it was very very 
very clear that, yeah, it was going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, in the story that you told, you said it was a mindset shift, which I think is so, it can be so powerful, right? When you set, you know, you decide that something is going to work for you and you just do whatever it (laughs) takes. I love that. I love that. So you mentioned that uh, apart from the farm, your your family had some businesses. Um, tell me about that and tell me about, um, you know, your idea of entrepreneurship. Was this something that you always kind of saw yourself as um, taking, you know, examples from them? Or did you have a different sort of um, plan in mind when, when you were growing up? So my, so my dad is a lawyer, so he was in, like, I guess bigger law firms in the city, as we say. <laughs> um, uh, so um, he didn't start his own law firm until I was actually in college. And then that same year, he decided to go back to the farm. So he was doing three days a week at the law firm and then three days a week on the farm. And then when I was in high school, my mom started um, a Montessori preschool in the the town where I went to school as well. So I guess with between them, like watching them dictate their own schedule, that was always like a really cool concept to me. (laughs) But like all through, actually, this is kind of funny. Ever since grade six, I, until college, I was so sure I was going to be a pediatric neurologist, which is wild. Like, where did I even get that? (laughs) Probably a book. (laughs) Um, So I, until November 14th of my junior year of college, I thought I was going to be a pediatric neurologist. Um, But again, speaking of mindset shifts, um, that day was I was like, wait a minute, I'm really terrible at this and I don't enjoy being pre-med, so I'm not going to be pre-med anymore. Um, But I guess like in terms of after that, I always thought I would be corporate. So I thought I would climb the ladder and I didn't know what I would be doing, but I thought I would just be climbing the corporate ladder and, you know, being some sort of boss babe in heels and... I don't know. It didn't, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> and of course, now looking back, hindsight being 2020, um, it never made sense. Cause what I wanted was to kind of feel powerful and, you know, have a bigger picture, like know what's going on in every aspect of the company. And that's what I liked about being a higher up person. And of course, as an entrepreneur, you are in you wear every single hat there is. You're the accountant, you're in production, operations, everything. Um, And so I guess entrepreneurship, did I know I would be an entrepreneur? No, because I didn't know that's what it was. But Mm -hmm. looking back and seeing kind of what I valued, all of those kind of point to entrepreneurship without me knowing. So I liked dictating my own schedule. I liked being in control. I do not like anybody telling me what to do. Um, I do not like that at all. (laughs) I am very stubborn, um, but creative thinking. Um, So yeah, all those kind of point to having your own business. I just didn't know it until, yeah, until I kind of fell into it. Yeah, well, 
I mean, more than a dozen stores which you're in, you're being successful online and selling online. I mean, I think you you got the boss babe title for sure that, that you were <laughs> hoping for. So, congrats! I think that's amazing. Thank what you. You've done so far in just a year. So that's yeah, it. it's wild, and I actually between the last time we emailed and now, um, I went to a vendor show and got an award for like the most promising um, new business for the state of Michigan. So Amazing. Congratulations. That's been, thank you. That was also unexpected and really exciting. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's like little signs along the way that I'm doing the right thing and I'm in the right place. Um, so that's, you know, like when you own your own business, there aren't, no one's giving you awards for employee of the month. So there's not a lot of validation that you're doing the right thing. So when it does come along, like in the form of an award, um, it's, it's really nice. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. I'm on the right path. Let's keep going. Absolutely. What do you think now that you have um, been in business for some time, what do you think is the most exciting or challenging or maybe both um, about being in today's food landscape? And I mean, what are your thoughts on today's food landscape in general? It is, it's really crowded. I think everybody has their own idea of what healthy is, which I think is incredibly confusing to consumers because they've got 20 million different messages saying eat this not that or eat that eat eat like this to like look like me and I I don't like that I think people need to kind of listen to their own bodies and determine what they need so there's there's just a lot of people out there (laughs) pushing their products for you know you have to eat this certain way to look this certain way and so ideally people kind of listen to their bodies and eat, you know, a wide range of things and kind of determine based off that what they should eat. Um, but that takes time and that takes listening and some that takes a lot of time to do all of that. So I, I get where people are running out of time and they are looking for a quick fix. But anyway, so there's that. But in terms of I guess the food landscape, I think it's great that there's more of a shift toward healthier food. I think people are starting to, um, I guess, put down the fast food a little bit. I saw a headline that millennials are killing McDonald's. <laughs> like, and I'm not sure that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, I would agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, sometimes I eat fast food, but like it's everything's in moderation and I think people are kind of forgetting that I don't super like the marketing terms of like clean eating or superfood or I mean these trends of adaptogens and all these sorts of things anyway just eat real food I think that's really I don't think that's a secret like just eat real food (laughs) like I don't know that's that's what I do so Totally. I would agree. And again, I think one of the the reasons why I had the idea for this podcast is because, I mean, there are more companies like yours that are, 
you know, producing and selling real food. And um, yeah, I think it's exciting to tell the stories behind those brands. And as a child who grew up eating Lunchables um, in the early 90s. Oh, <laughs> Uh, I always wanted to have a Lunchable. Oh, my gosh. We always had, you know, lunch from home, which was like a sandwich with my mom's homemade bread and like carrots. Oh, that sounds amazing. It was the worst. I just wanted a Lunchable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, to be fair to my mom, she did cook. And, um, you know, we lived with my grandparents, too, and they they cooked a lot at home. But um, so we had that. But, you know, there also were the, the days of field trips and you know, taking lunch to school. And I do remember eating a lot of chicken nuggets and a lot of Lunchables. And, you know, now I look at that stuff and I'm like, oh my God, what were you doing? You know, <laughs> your mom was like, like, oh God. Yeah. We've definitely had those days yes. for sure. Oh gosh. <laughs> I love I'm it. Sure I'm the same as a mother. Like, I'm sure there will be those days where I'm like, literally just eat something. I don't care what it I is. Know. But I know. for right now, I'm like, <laughs> steamed veggies, please. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> well, this has been great. I mean, I'm, I was so excited to have you on. And I think it's such a cool brand that you have. And, you know, um, you know, congratulations on everything that you've accomplished thus far. We've talked a lot about um, business, and so for the end of our interview, I kind of wanted to switch gears and do sort of some rapid-fire style questions. Are you up for that? Yes. Okay, awesome. So question number one, what is your favorite day of the week and why? Oh, I love Tuesdays. I love them. Um, So usually I bake on Thursdays. And Sundays and possibly Mondays, but Tuesdays are usually free, so I don't have, um, I guess, like any pressing meetings. Like I'll just have the full day to like go to the coffee shop and work, and then go to the library, maybe run a couple of errands. But Tuesdays I usually don't have obligations, so I get to. Oh, it's the best! I love Tuesdays. <laughs> Number two, what is the last TV show or movie that you watched? Um, does it make me a terrible person if I recently restarted Grey's Anatomy? No, 100% <laughs> like from season no. one. A hundred percent no. Did you watch the whole, uh, are you caught up and seen all of it? You're watching it again? Um, no, no, I don't remember which season I stopped at, but it was relatively recently. Anyway, I don't know. I'm just going to rewatch the whole thing. It's fine. <laughs> it's a great show. I would watch it again. So dramatic. <laughs> I know. Sometimes you need that, that, you know, that drama, and it's fine. Oh, drama. <laughs> <laughs> okay, number three. If you could only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Uh, bananas, salad, uh, oh, and tafola. I guess I do love tafola. It's really good. I love it. And finally, what is one thing most people would never guess about you? Uh, let's see. I I minored in the classics, and so I like I love ancient history. I don't know why it's kind of strange, but I I really like ancient history, and like I read the Odyssey for fun, and like. 
do critical reading by myself and like <laughs> write notes in the margins. <laughs> so cool. Actually, and that's why like my love for the classics is where Tanera actually comes from. So Tanera is a Latin word and I took Latin through high school and college. Um, so Tanera means like soft and kind of tender and like that's those were the words that we used to describe teff. Mm-hmm. And so, because the plant is in the grass family, and so it kind of goes, it like bends with the wind, mm-hmm. and it kind of bends and is very small and fragile. So, yeah, we kind of, I knew it had to be a Latin word, like the name of the company had to be Latin. And so, yeah, we looked up <laughs> the Latin word for like soft and tender and like delicate, and Tanera popped up, and yeah, that was so it. So cool. What a fun fact. I also took Latin, um, believe it or not. I took it for one year uh, when I was in sixth grade. And Mm -hmm. I only remember how to say farmer and maybe another, a couple of other words. But um, yeah, I actually took it because in my school system in Miami, if for whatever reason, you could opt out of physical education if you took Latin. And I was like, okay, sign me up. I didn't want to play dodgeball. Didn't want that is the funniest <laughs> trade-off ever. I don't know where it came from, and I don't think it lasted that long. But, yes, I do remember uh, agricola, which is uh, the Latin word for farmer. So because I totally I not know the Latin word for farmer. <laughs> I knew it would all come full circle at some point, you know, in my life. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Well, this was so great, Claire. I think this was an awesome conversation. I had a lot of fun. Before we um, wrap up, where can people find out more about you and Tanera Greens? So on social media, I am Tef Chef, so T-E-F-F. C-H-E-F and um, the only social media I'm on is Facebook and Instagram and the website is taneragrains.com T-E-N-E-R-A grains.com and yeah you can find all the info on there. Awesome. Well there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview. If you want to check out more interviews in the Better Food Stories series you can follow me at Audrea Greenhoff on Medium or visit audriagreenhoff.com. I'm also Audrea Greenhoff on Twitter and Instagram.